Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Oregon and Stanford will mix it up at Autzen Stadium on Saturday night, 8 o'clock. Late kickoff. Pac-12 after dark. Dan Lanning, Oregon coach, talking about Stanford this week. You know, we, we spent time this morning talking about, you know, really the variety of ways that we've won this season and the variety of teams that we've played. And I think you just kind of can continue on where do we need to grow you know where do we need to build for us to be a complete team you know we've proven we can win in some different settings and some different um you know some different ways but this is a team that we have to bring our best for and it's really just like i've said every week it's about oregon and our improvement um and we have a lot of respect for this team you know this team uh you know shortened our season last year or at least didn't you know our, our, some of the guys in our room they still have a bad taste in their mouth you know from playing these guys before so uh that's not far from their minds and playing to our best is so that's that's really what we focus on stanford and oregon saturday night eight o'clock Autzen stadium john platts stanford radio broadcaster joining us Man of the world, attorney, former Stanford athlete, John Platt's with us. Um, look, you heard Dan Lanning talking there, John. Um, you know, the bad taste in some of the Ducks' mouth from last year. How's Stanford approaching this week? Well, John, first of all, nice to be with you. Uh, you know, for Stanford, it's we're playing Oregon, and Oregon has its own separate luster. Uh, you know, the, the history for Stanford the last decade or so playing the Ducks, I mean, you Beaten top number one ranked Oregon in 2012, I think it was. Uh, 2013, Oregon was number two. And then last year, Coach Lang just referenced it. I want to say the Ducks are rated number three. So Stanford has a, a glorious recent history. But the, 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 the Cardinal players know Oregon's tough. I mean, you, you got to bring it every time you play the Ducks, and especially so when you play on the fast track at Autzen. Do, do Stanford's players get up for this game? in a way that's different than other games. I have always looked at the Oregon Stanford games and gosh got and asked myself, gosh, do do the Stanford players really look forward? Do they circle this game? You know, I, I don't think they do that, John. And I think one of the hallmarks of the David Shaw tenure is I mean he's real good about coaching I mean, teaching them and then coaching them on game day in the locker room. Look, we're not gonna get too high, we're not gonna get too high. I know it's a cliche. But he, he, he really works to do it. So I think, I think individually when the players are going through the week, thinking about the opponent, I, I do think Oregon, you know, has more juice in their minds. But as far as habits and trying to approach Oregon as it would be any other game, I, I, re, I really do think Coach Shaw works hard to do that. And so I, I, I would lean toward, in terms of mental preparation and warm-ups and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's pretty much the same Oregon as vis-a-vis the other games. Health-wise, uh, I know Stanford's going to be without some players for a variety of reasons, but how will that affect what we see on the field on Saturday, John? Well, for, for Stanford, uh, E.J. Smith is the, is the headline guy not, not being there. Of course, that's Emmett Smith, the great NFL back son. Number one running back coming into the year, had an electrifying 87-yard run from scrimmage on the first scrimmage play of the season. 
and he's gone for the year now. So that makes that that brings Casey Philkins. I know it's a name familiar to your listeners. Great Oregon high school player. He's now he's now the number one guy at running back, and he, of course he can he can he can run between the tackles. He can catch passes on the outside. Uh, had a nice game last week, John, against uh, the Huskies. Twenty carries for a hundred yards, and and he he looked good doing it. I mean, there was you know I. I use this comparison respect, respectfully and advisedly, but there's a little little Christian McCaffrey, you know, here and there in terms of what Casey Philkins does, kind of the way he shoots through a gap, the way his feet continue to move. And so I'll be excited to, to see him take the next step. It's obviously it's another tough front seven in Oregon uh, for Casey Philkins, but that, that that's what that's the guy we're all watching to see. You know, how does he take on another tough opponent on the road this week in Oregon? John Platt's with us, Stanford. We talked yesterday on the show about David Shaw. He, you know, he's had three Rose Bowls. He's had great success. He struggled in the last couple of few years, and this season looks like it's going to be another struggle. The job security of David Shaw was on our minds yesterday, John, as we kind of kicked it around. And I made the case that you know he, he does some things with the boosters, forward-facing, public-facing, that Stanford loves. He also has got those three Rose Bowls, and Stanford's a little different community. Like, maybe it's not all about winning big at Stanford. There's also the transfer portal, and the game is changing. And Where does your head go when, when you talk about David Shaw and his, his job security and the landscape of college athletics? Well, there's boy, a lot, lot of angles to, to, to talk about this, and I'll try and hit, hit the high notes. And, and I'll, I'll admit to being biased because I – I'm an enormous fan of David Shaw personally. I wouldn't say we're particularly close. We work together, obviously, on the broadcast. But what he does, the way he I mean, he really does fancy himself an educator and in the whole sense of the word. And that's just not coaching, you know, coaching up guys or educating the guys that are going to have a chance at the NFL. But for the other 98% or 99%, it's about, you know, are we giving you enough time for your studies? Uh, if you're a senior, do you need a do you need a, a recommendation? At Stanford, John, there's all manner of speaking engagements that David Shaw, as the football coach, sort of porch-facing member of the university community, is asked to do, and he does it beautifully. It could be a TED talk to the entrepreneurial community. It could be, uh, to, you know, to alumni group in, in some city three hours away, and he he just he does all of it. And, he, and he's marvelous. I, I maintain that the two most prominent Stanford alumni for any audience, not just sports, are Jim Plunkett, the Heisman Trophy winner in 1970, and, and David Shaw. So that's the backdrop. D- David wants to win. I, look, I, I experienced it personally after games. He, he takes losses hard. I mean, he's, he's trying to win every one of them. Uh, but he, you know, further to my comment a little earlier, he does have perspective, and he, he, you know, he kind of swallows it. You know, the, the coaches all take Sunday morning off, and then they attack the next week, Sunday afternoon, and, and, and go after that. So uh, I think Stanford is an unusual deal. I think David Shaw has a lot of capital because of what he's done. I mean, three Rose Bowls, John, uh, I mean, how many schools can say that? And Stanford won two of them. Does that give you tenure? No. But does that give you a lot of goodwill when on the other dimensions of the job, 11 of the 12 dimensions, you you are A or A+. plus. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of rope there. So I, I don't I, – the issue of job security and David Shaw, look, it's above my pay grade. I don't make those decisions, but I think he's got a lot of rope. The, the transfer portal and name image likeness, you know, Stanford's not alone in having a disadvantage there. I think Cal's in that same boat. There are some other universities, you know, Northwestern, Vanderbilt. There's some other places that, that 
are not going to be able to go and get a Caleb Williams in the portal or not going to be able to get, you know, a Michael Penix Jr. in the portal. Stanford's got to find an angle there. Stanford has to find a way. Is 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 there an easy way there? I mean, David Shaw bringing recruits to campus early. I noticed that he did that the last two seasons. It looked like in the spring he let let some young players come in, and it, it looks to me like he's trying to level that playing field. No, he is absolutely right. You, you mentioned uh, uh, two. Uh, actually, it was three this past year. There were two the prior year, so five total have entered school entered Stanford in the, in the winter and you know just just getting that to happen cutting through the the, the Stanford you know rules about that kind of thing because Stanford has well thought out methods of educating its undergraduates and it's predicated on everybody arriving in September and yet with football sort of as a nod John to to the changes and Stanford having to compete in different ways uh, that, that that part changed you know David, NIL, I don't, John, for NIL for Stanford, it's just they're, they're always going to be trailing the pack, I think. I mean, again, I'm not privy to those meetings, and there may be some little things going on, but certainly Stanford is not going to uh, compete on the NIL front. I think for David, it's, look, we got a world-class education for you that's going to benefit you for the next 35 years, whether you play professional football or whatever else you do. And, and that's, that's the lure here, and I'm going to coach you to maximize you on the football field and on this other, and, and, and in these other areas. And I think, I think David's hanging his hat. You know, John, he is so – the players he targets, he can get. I mean, he has so much uh, charm in, in living rooms, and, he, you know, he can talk on any subject. So I just – I think David, David is the Stanford way coach if there ever was one. And if David Shaw moved on, which I don't anticipate – uh, it would it would take a lot, I think, for somebody to sort of replicate the way he does things. I think then Stanford trailing an NIL would really hurt. John Platts, Stanford Radio, with us. Let's talk about you know what Stanford's doing well because we did see Stanford last season against Oregon on a given day play very well. Tanner McKee at quarterback, his receivers. Where are the bright spots for Stanford right now? I think you just just named a couple of them there. The quarterback Tanner McKee, who's now in his third year in the program. And John, a, a, just a, a, a whole bench full of upper class, big, experienced pass catchers. I, I don't use receivers; I use pass catchers because that embraces both the tight end and the wide receivers. I think Oregon fans just have just have to think about or harken back to the, the game last year. How did Stanford come back in that game? It was throwing the football downfield in the final minute to a variety of receivers, and then in the overtime, a pass to a receiver, John Humphreys. Uh, got Stanford the lead, and then they were able to preserve it in, in the uh, Oregon's possession in overtime. So I think it's throwing the ball downfield, John. Big receivers are all 6'2 or taller. Again, all of the, the main guys, six of them are, are juniors, or if third, fourth, or fifth-year guys in the program. Two or three of them, I think, have a real legit shot to play in the NFL. Michael Wilson, who hardly played last year, had six catches for 176 at Washington. But Bryson Tremaine was the best player last year up until he broke his foot in the Oregon game. Elijah Higgins was the guy that caught the fade to tie the game against Oregon. John Humphrey, six foot five, was the guy that caught the ball in the overtime period. I haven't even talked about Ben Urosak, who is a John Mackey Award candidate uh, for the Outstanding Tight End Award nationally. So Stanley's got a lot of pass catchers, and if Tanner McKee can get them the ball, stay clean, uh, Stanford can score points on anybody. John, uh, the offensive line, also some starters potentially out there. How good has that line been? Uh, I know that's a big part of what Oregon likes to do on defense. They're, they're going to try to make Tanner McKee uncomfortable. 
Yeah, no, that's that's something to watch for sure. Stanford had one its mammoth right tackle, Miles Hinton. His, his father, Chris Hinton, was a longtime NFL player. He was out for the Washington game last week. That was a factor. Uh, the left tackle, Walter Rouse, left the game and came back into the game, so, and that was part of the reason Tanner McKee was under duress. Uh, having uh, my understanding is, is him is questionable for the game on Saturday, but Rouse, Rouse will, will play. So those guys playing solidly uh, is very, very important. Again, that's, a, that's, a, that's an elder statesman group, too, that offensive line, um, and they've got to play solidly. I mean, I think, they were, they, they, I think they, they were disappointing last year by Stanford standards. They played better this year, uh, but that will definitely be a big key in the game is how well are they able to handle Oregon's pressure and packages so that Tanner McKee will have time to get the ball with the big targets. What would beating Oregon on Saturday night mean to David Shaw and Stanford? Well, it would it would uh, ameliorate the, the pain of the last couple of weeks losing to USC and, and Washington. Uh, be, John would be a big shot in the arm just like the other Oregon wins. I mean, I, you know, you asked the question about how do the players view Oregon? I could tell you that after the game, when Stanford has beaten a highly ranked Oregon team, it, it is an enormous feeling because it's a, a major accomplishment. David Shaw teams have won at Austin three times, I think, in David's tenure. I mean, that that laps the field in terms of opposing coaches, I believe. And and every one of those, or the, the couple games uh, that won at Austin near the end of the game, both the over, the uh, overtime games in 2012 and 2018, I, I, I was on cloud nine leaving the stadium because I know the enormity, or I felt the enormity of what Stanford ha- had done. So, it, I mean, you know, a, a win is what Stanford wants now at one and two to get even, but but let's not kid ourselves. Beating Oregon is, a, is an extra shot in the arm times times ten. John Platts, Stanford Radio. All right, you've seen some of this conference. You've seen USC up close. You've been there for the Stanford games. Right now, John, give me who do you think ends up in Vegas? As you look at the field right now, who are the best two teams in this conference? Well, having seen, seen, having seen most of them at length, I've seen all of them a little bit, but most of them at length. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to buy stock in Washington, that's for sure. Um, I mean, we know that Washington, Washington has dudes, right? They, the guys that can play on both sides of the ball. But Kalen DeBoer's offense with the motion and the shifts and the way they use the entire field, uh, I'm starting to become a believer. I still think, John, that I'm still USC. What Lincoln Riley brought to Stanford Stadium a couple of weeks ago, um, I mean, they just, they, they, I don't want to say carved Stanford up, but it seemed like every play call was where Stanford was, was not flowing. Uh, it was it was a marvelous display of play calling by by Lincoln Riley. So I'd have to say right now I'd have to say right now I'd go with USC and and Washington again. Utah's one of those teams that I haven't seen a lot of, but the uh, the, the two quarterbacks at FC in Washington, Caleb Williams and Michael Penix Jr. Again, those guys combined with the schemes that Lincoln Riley and Kalen DeBoer are running, that's that's a recipe for a lot of points in these conference games. And so I, I think I'd go with those two at this point. John Platts. I will see you down the road. Uh, Travel safely, and good luck to you. John, thanks so much. Enjoyed being with you. There he is, John Platts, Stanford Radio, former athlete at Stanford, and you can hear him on the broadcast if you tune into Stanford Radio. Uh, Who are the best two teams in the Pac-12? Right now, I think Utah. And uh, I'm going to make a little bit of a squirrely pick here. Steven, I want your picks as well. But I'm going to pick Utah and Washington to get to Vegas. Am I crazy for thinking that the Huskies can 
slip into Las Vegas as one of the two best teams. I don't think you're crazy, but what I want to see from Washington is the, this week. Can they yep. go on the road and win? They haven't had a road game yet. You know, It's a lot easier to look great at home as they have, and they've looked great. But I know that UCLA has been great. But go on the road, beat UCLA, then I think I could buy in. Right now, I'm going to go with Utah and Oregon still. Those were the picks before the year. I'm going to stick with those. I like what I've seen out of Utah ever since that loss. And I think Oregon is just going to continue to get better and better as the year goes on. So I don't think you're crazy, John. I just want to see it first. I need to see it before I really buy in. My Part of my reasoning is the schedule. You you know, Washington, if Washington had to play, you know, games against Utah and USC, I might feel differently. But that's a two-game advantage that they're getting somebody else but not getting Utah, not getting USC. Now, it may be an advantage to Utah and USC that they don't have to play Washington, but I look over at, you know, Oregon State, Washington State, and some others that we might consider fringe contenders, and I go, hey, they have to play both those teams and they have to play everybody else. Oregon does not have to play USC, so there's a bit, of, there's a half-game advantage there, or one-game advantage to Oregon in this equation. But I think the, I think right now we're gonna, this weekend is gonna cause massive separation, because you got Washington on Friday night going to UCLA. We're gonna find out which one of those teams is a pretender. I suspect it's U, UCLA. We'll, we'll talk about it more in the four o'clock hour. But we're also gonna see Utah at home against a really good solid Oregon State team. Utah should win that game. If they do, I feel like they're really in the driver's seat, and I'm really curious to see how they look against Oregon State because now we have a common opponent for USC. Uh, Oregon State will have played them both. Who's better? Like I'm going to ask Oregon State players after the game, who's, which one of those teams is better in your mind? Because they, they will not lie to you. They'll give you a good sense. They'll be like, no, 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 USC's, USC's better. Utah is better. So I think, it's, I think Utah is going to get there. So I'm left with USC, Washington, Oregon as kind of that trio of those are the next three. And then after that, I think it's Oregon State and Washington State. So I'm leaning right now with Utah and Washington. I could see Oregon getting there. I could see USC getting there. But right now, that's how I feel. Sean, do you have a feel for this? Yeah, I'm looking at the schedules. I think this is all going to come down to schedules. You know, I think these teams are pretty even. You know, this top four, maybe top five teams are all pretty even. And Utah's next four weeks, John, Oregon State this week, and then they go to UCLA, and then they host USC, and then they go to Pullman. And it's just, you know, I think they're at least going to lose one of those games, if you ask me. And Washington has it easier, and USC has it easier. I think those are the two teams that have the easiest schedules moving forward. And that's my pick right now, USC and Washington. There you go. I want your picks as well. Tweet at me, at John Canzano BFT. Later in the 4 o'clock hour and early in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll give our picks for the week. Anna will join us as well. Top of the hour, Jaden Grant, Oregon State team captain. Back to the bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Jaden Grant coming up, top of the hour. Team captain, Oregon State. He's the guy. We're going to tell a shark story in the 4 o'clock hour as well when Anna joins us. We'll give our picks Coming up as well in the 4 o'clock hour. That hour will move fast. Uh, at 5 o'clock, we'll give you the 5 at 5. Every day on the show, though, we give you the big splash. This one uh, is not a surprise. This is 
The one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The Big Splash. Yankees, Blue Jays, top of the seventh, 3-2 pitch. And the 3-2. Joe deep to left field. This could be it. See ya. He's done it. Number 61. He's been chasing history, and now he makes it. He and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs. There it is. This could be it, Roger Maris. Uh, I won't say move over, but uh, I will say, uh, you know, you got company at 61. Michael Kay on the call there. He paid tribute to Phil Rizzuto on the call uh, by uh, talking the way he did. But it was uh, also... Uh, do you think he had a great call there? You guys, you guys think it was a great call? I mean, it was it was fine. It wasn't anything special. Um, you know, I I'm just pulling the uh, we can compare later. I pulled the Spanish call of it. Okay. Um, it was pretty good, but yeah, I mean, I think it was a normal call. It wasn't anything special, but uh, you know, I, I appreciate that out of an announcer's. This could be it. Is the same line that Phil Rizzuto used when Maris hit his 61st home run in 1961. So it was kind of an inside uh, inside move there. For Yankees fans. Coming up, we'll talk to Jaden Grant, King Jamba. They are trying to pivot. They've got a tough task in front of them as they go to Salt Lake City. But Oregon State, Oregon State looks all the way back, don't they? We'll talk to Jaden Grant next. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.